Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that first created the collective unconscious of those who cried when they met Ariel for the first time in Disney World. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today we are talking about 2007's Enchanted. (laughs) And then it's like, in a land far away. There has never been anything like Enchanted. Because no other story has ever taken you to a land as strange and terrifying as ours. Oh my. I was wondering if one of you might direct me to the castle. So I'm personally very excited to talk about Enchanted today because... In case you couldn't tell by my outfit for video viewers, I'm wearing a pink sparkly dress. I'm standing up for the shot. Um, I was someone who was way too into Disney princesses for way too long. And so I have a lot of very uh, cringe-worthy memories (laughs) associated with this movie. And if there's one thing I really savor it is forcing my cringe on people so you know here we are I cannot wait to get into it I also had such a good time watching this movie again so I have much to say and Audrey's kind of just along (laughs) for the ride I I tried to look princessy but it's coming off whenever I try to do that like I'm just missing colorful clothing like I just always end up looking like um I don't know. I look like a lawyer at like a <laughs> I look like a lawyer at like a gala event. <laughs> you look you kind of are reminding me of like an updated version of when Ursula turns yeah, into the yeah, hot yeah, lady. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Vanessa yeah, too. You. I was gonna say Vanessa too. <laughs> and then I was like, oh. All right, we were both getting that vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I love how we both knew her name was Vanessa, but I just didn't say <laughs> it. But like I knew her name was yeah, Vanessa. Yeah, I was like, you wouldn't forget that. Don't you feel like that name is like evil because it has a V in it? Yeah. Wait, are literally the why is there a Vanessa in this movie and in Juno? <laughs> and they're like portrayed as like annoying there's women. Van- wait, there's Wait, there's no Vanessa in this movie. Isn't Adina's name Vanessa in this movie? No, her name is Nancy. Oh, what? <laughs> Why did I think it was? That's weird. I don't know. Okay, anyways. Probably because we just did Juno and it's confusing. Yeah. Anyway, you know, whenever we do Disney, like, I feel like Parent Trap is different. Like, the Disney made movies versus the Disney fantasy movies are kind of like a different experience. Yeah. So I feel like this episode is going to have some Little Mermaid 2 Return to the Sea vibes <laughs> for sure. One of my favorite episodes that we've done. So uh, shall we get into the facts, Audrey? Yes. Okay. 
So, Enchanted was released in theaters on November 21st, 2007. You know, that good holiday release, big big theatrical release at holiday time. It was directed by Kevin Lima, who directed A Goofy Movie and Tarzan. He was also a writer on Oliver and Company and Aladdin and a character designer for The Little Mermaid. Not necessarily The Little Mermaid herself, but on that movie. So, this man is like Disney through and through, which does make sense considering that this project is supposed to be like a clever Disney amalgamation thing, which I have a lot of thoughts about, but I'll move on for the time being. This movie was produced by two men named Barry. The first (laughs) one is Barry Josephson, and his highest rated project he's ever worked on, according to Rotten Tomatoes, is Enchanted, and his lowest rated is Dirty Grandpa, which I don't know. Audrey, do you remember that movie? Um... Uh, I mean, I don't have personal experience, but so I me neither. But I looked up the trailer last night, and it's Robert De Niro and Zac Efron yeah. just being gross. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Not a sleepover cinema approved film. Not at all. And then we have Barry Sonnenfeld, and in my mind, I was like, okay, they have to be a duo. They're both named Barry. Like, how is that possible? But they're not a duo. Barry Sonnenfeld's highest rated project is big, and his lowest is Nine Lives, which I don't know what Nine Lives is, but that's his lowest rated project. So sorry to Barry for that one. This screenplay was written by Bill Kelly, who had two to three other IMDb credits, and most of them were writing spinoff IP from Enchanted. And he's not writing the in-development slash pre-production sequel to Enchanted right now. So I found him on Twitter. He has like 300 followers. He's not written anything else. I was like, what's happening with this (laughs) man? So Bill Kelly's been vibing since Enchanted. The music, very notably, is by Alan Menken, who is the man behind at least half of the music and lyrics for the following musicals. The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Little Shop of Horrors, Newsies, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Home on the Range, LOL, and Tangled. So if you don't know who Alan Menken is and you're listening to this show, I don't really know how you got this far. However, I'm happy to be the one to break the news to you (laughs) that Alan Menken has done all this shit. And then the lyrics are by Stephen Schwartz, who wrote music and lyrics, I'm pretty sure, for Godspell, Pippin, and Wicked. So um, they were not holding back on this musical creative team. Honestly, but these were also kind of... I would kind of want it to be better, knowing that these are the people who made it. You know... I think the songs are pretty good, I though. think they're good, but I think, like, oh, we shouldn't talk about this now. <laughs> yeah, okay, because I, I have things to say about it, too. We'll put a pin in, is the music good? <laughs> and then, so I, I did the thing. Remember, Audrey, how we always talk about how we want to include more below-the-line mm-hmm. people, like, that make big contributions? So I was trying to be more inclusive this time around. The choreography in this movie is by John O'Connell, um, and he had a really cool job because he got to storyboard a lot of the big production numbers. Like, I watched this behind-the-scenes clip where he like he's like, I went to Central Park and I looked <laughs> at all the locations, and I just felt in my soul like what the choreography would be, and then I storyboarded all of it and like showed the director. So he's cool, um, but he's also choreographed for Moulin Rouge, The Great Gatsby, Shall We Dance, Scooby Doo, and Romeo and Juliet. To which I say, he's clearly in with Baz Luhrmann, and what a great gig to have if you're a choreographer. 
So flowers for John O'Connell. And then last but not least, we have Mona May, who was the costume designer. And uh, she has done some really, really, really good movies. She was the costume designer for The House Bunny, Enchanted, Never Been Kissed, Camp Rock 2, The Wizards of Waverly Place movie, Cheetah Girls One World, Stuck in the Suburbs, Xenon Z3, and most importantly, Clueless, the Mm -hmm. 1995 classic in which the costumes are 50% of the movie's goodness. So shout out to Mona. So, okay. The plot synopsis. Audrey, would you like to read these? Yes. So... A young maiden in a land called Andalasia who is prepared to be wed is sent away to New York City by an evil queen where she falls in love with a lawyer. That's not very good. (laughs) It's not very good, but that was the IMDb plot synopsis. Uh, All right, we're just going to leave that there. It's not. She's not just an evil queen. She is the mother of the prince. Yes, (laughs) it is true. Audrey, would you like to read us these taglines? Yes. So the first one is the real world and the animated world collide. That doesn't sound real. I'm pretty sure that's not the tagline. Do you think that is the tagline? (laughs) You don't think so? I mean, it's on IMDb. I don't know. It's too, like, clunky. Like, it doesn't sound like a tagline. But maybe. I agree. And then the second one is this fairy tale princess is about to meet a real Prince Charming. That one I believe more. <laughs> yes, I agree. And I just wanted to say that this movie came out in 2007 and signified to me what is the beginning of a kind of really irritating era, which is Disney making fairy tale movies. And being determined to make them self-aware. So instead of just calling them what they are, they call them an adjective Mm -hmm. that is related. So like, uh, this is enchanted. You got tangled instead of Rapunzel. Why are you stealing? You're stealing my... my Sorry. (laughs) You're stealing it. (laughs) It's okay. Brave is also one. Up is also one. I don't know why this is such a thing. I mean, Up is like not, Up is kind of different, but especially with the fantasy ones, it's just like, can you just call it what it is? Like, I'm exhausted. So anyway, there's that. Now, I'm sorry I yelled at you for stealing my thunder. (laughs) It's okay. I hope you can forgive me. (laughs) Okay. So here comes the cast. So first of all, we have Amy Adams as Giselle. And she is known for being in all of these movies. And it's really funny because I didn't realize that she had such a central role in so many, like, important movies of our lifetime. But, like, starting with this movie, like, kids' movies and going into adult ones. So this is my list. Arrival, American Hustle, The Fighter, Hillbilly Elegy, Dear Evan Hansen, apparently, Her, Julie and Julia, Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, as Amelia Earhart, who could forget? And she's apparently in Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny, which you know why we're interested in that. Next up, we have Susan Sarandon as Queen Nerissa. This was in billing order, which I find funny. Uh, Susan Sarandon as Queen Nerissa, and she is known most, uh, at least in my heart, mostly for Thelma and Louise and the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But she also was in The Witches of Eastwick and The Lovely Bones and in a bunch of TV, and she's an icon at this point, so... That's Susan Sarandon. Then we have James Marston as Prince Edward. And 
He is truly a part of this really specific echelon of white men with brown hair plus Victor Garber yeah. that Audrey and I can get behind. And uh, James Marston was also in Hairspray the same year as Enchanted, which like the contributions to culture made in that year will never be forgotten. He was in X-Men, 27 Dresses, and then Dead to Me, 30 Rock, and Ally McBeal. But Audrey, can you just explain a little bit about what like what this type of man is and who else falls into this category i mean i feel like if you're listening to this you probably kind of (laughs) know what i'm talking about um because we talked about them a lot in the past but it's just (laughs) james marsden chris pine wait who's the other oh patrick wilson my husband patrick wilson yes and victor garber he's the he's the one who doesn't really fit in but I bet he can sing, you know, maybe he, he can We've sing. heard him sing. Oh, duh. Of course he can sing. Yeah. Hello? He's an Annie. He's literal daddy warbucks. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's amazing. So it's like what it is, is men who choose roles in film and television that are secondary to the female counterpart or like it's like their story is simply not the main story. Like, it's just not. And they, as people, repeatedly choose those types of roles. Like, let me support this other story. And let me also sing and look perfect while I do it. That's, (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. To me, the one that is most predominant in my heart is Patrick Wilson. Like, I don't give a <laughs> shit about, like, hot celebrity men, but he's, like, the hottest man Yeah. I, I don't send Hannah, like, thirst trash. <laughs> no, obviously, I don't send Hannah thirst trash, but of other people. <laughs> like, we're not really in that. We don't really have that dynamic of, like, let me send like hot celebrity (laughs) pictures to each other or whatever. But if it's Patrick Wilson, I will do it. (laughs) And I appreciate it. Honestly, it's so thrilling to me. So, okay. Just a little moment about that genre of man. And then next up, we have Patrick Dempsey. It's fucking Robert, which I found out his name is Robert Phillip, which is just the beginning of the stupid Easter eggs in this movie. Yeah. It's a prince in Sleeping Beauty. It's Prince Philip. And I'm like, oh, get it away. But anyway... He is uh, known for Grey's Anatomy, which I've never seen and never will. Don't at me. He was also in, or he's known for being in this movie, Can't Buy Me Love and Transformers. And despite physically aligning with the types of men that we like, he is distinctly not a part of that echelon of men. And I don't really know why. I think it's just because I only know him from this movie and he's an asshole in this movie. Yeah. Uh, You have any takes on that, Audrey? Yeah, I mean, he just hasn't proved himself to be a part of it, so we have no reason to think he is a part of it. No, no. These next two are big ones. So next we have Timothy Spall as Nathaniel, which I forgot he was in this movie, (laughs) but he is Peter Pettigrew in the Harry Potter series, the rat guy. He's like the quintessential, like, like character actor manservant character actor super english but he's also known for secrets and lies mr turner vanilla sky and of course sweeney todd because the harry potter to sweeney todd pipeline it's like the evil people in harry potter to sweeney todd pipeline is basically direct yeah it's direct Um, because there's alan rickman and helena bonham Mm -hmm. carter 
We should be grateful Johnny Depp wasn't in Harry Potter, the series. Well, he is now. He's in the fan. Well, I know he's in stuff. Yeah, but at least that's not Harry Potter. Yeah, we should be grateful. He kind of takes me out of it. Like, yes, he's like a little bit distracting. Yeah. Okay. And then next up, we have Idina Menzel as Nancy Tremaine, which I also hate because that's also an Easter egg. Do you know that, Audrey? Mm -hmm. Lady Tremaine. Yeah, for those un- unaware, the evil stepmother in Cinderella's last name is Tremaine. And when I saw that, I was like, I hate this. <laughs> it's kind of like in late Drag Race where it's so self-referential that you don't understand what you're watching if you haven't seen yeah. everything. It reminds me of that, which I hate. So, uh, but of course, Idina Menzel is a musical theater legend known for playing Maureen and Rent and originating that role and also originating Alphaba and Wicked. And of course... As we all know, she would go on to be Elsa in Frozen and be humiliated on live TV hundreds <laughs> of times trying to sing Let It Go. Oh. Um, and I feel for People her. People might come for you for that. For that. <laughs> no, okay, okay, okay. Please don't come for me. She's extremely talented. <laughs> Let It Go is not a song that was written to be sung live yeah. constantly. It's like It's like acrobatic. It's like harder than Defying Gravity. Like it's not... Yeah sustainable I don't you know so, I don't even feel not trying to shit on her no of course not I don't even yeah. feel that she was the right person to voice Elsa I think it's a little bit distracting yeah because it's, it's very like that's not what you want in an animated film like I remember when I went to see it in theaters like her voice hit my ears and I was immediately imagining the like music video version of her recording the song instead right. of Same. let me watch this character so like that it was too yes. too much yes but anyway she also was in uncut gems which I found funny and she played Rachel Berry's mom in glee she, her biological mother she's so perfect for uncut gems I don't, I didn't love the movie overall, but she was a genius casting decision. What character does she play? She, she plays play like um, a theater person? No. She's like a Jersey mom. Like, oh. Yeah. Nice. And she's okay, like pissed that. off the whole time because Adam Sandler is a really shitty husband. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. okay. Got it. That sounds actually really promising. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then just two more little things. There's Rachel Covey, who played Morgan, the little girl, and she has not been in anything since and seems to just have assimilated into regular life. So good for her. And then last but not least, we have Julie Andrews making a cameo as the narrator in the opening, which had to mention It's that. manipulative <laughs> to put her voice at the beginning and in the end. It's manipulative. <laughs> Audrey needs more. Let's get into these numbers. Audrey, would you like to read us some stuff about this budget? Yes. So the budget was a mere $85 million. Yes. And they really had James Marsden go on top of a bus in Times Square. You can tell that a lot of it is genuinely on location, which is an expensive thing to do. Um, But they can do it because they're Disney. And they mostly shot... I'm guessing interiors were at Steiner Studios yeah. in Brooklyn. I know exactly where that is. 
Yeah, I did a lot of research for this one because something about this movie I just find really, like, interesting just conceptually. But yeah, every on-location shot or, like, everything that looks like it's on-location was on-location. Yeah, Like, there's all these clips on YouTube of, like, someone with, like, a like a cheap camera, like, filming them, filming the scenes. And it's super interesting to watch. And uh, just, like, the amount of money mm-hmm. is kind of hard to comprehend. All right. So how was box office opening? So, so box office opening weekend, they made $34,440,317. And the overall worldwide gross is $340,487,652. I feel like that opening weekend is not great. It's okay. Yes. But it's not amazing. I kind of felt the same way. Yeah. Like, the fact that they they came up at less than half of their budget. Obviously, they know they're going to make it back, so it's fine. But, like, that is lower than I would expect, maybe. Yes. So, with that in mind... This is even a little bit more confusing considering how the opening weekend went. But the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes is 93% for this movie, Mm. which I find to be so baffling. Yeah, that's generous. It feels like Disney, like, paid off the the critics to, like, say it was good. Like, like, I feel like Juno's, like, the same percentage as that. Yeah. Not that there's any any reason ever to equate the those two movies. <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm just saying, like, Juno won multiple Academy Awards and Enchanted is Enchanted. And the critic consensus was kind of the same percentage-wise. So, anyway, the takeaway from the critics was, a smart reimagining of fairy tale tropes that's sure to delight children and adults, Enchanted features witty dialogue, sharp animation, and a star turned by Amy Adams. And that's true. Um, I'll give it. Yeah. That last part. I don't know. Witty dialogue. No, no, that Amy Adams part. Yeah. And then the audience score was 80%. There was one review. So most people are like, great fairy tale reimagining. So much fun. Amy Adams is great. But there was one review that I found that really spoke to how I felt watching it, which was, I'm totally giving away that I watched this in advance. Sorry, people. But, uh, This person said, it's mildly painful to watch. It both makes fun of and doubles down on all of the princess story tropes. I laughed a few times. It's saccharine, cliche, and bonkers. And I felt like that was very accurate. And Roger Ebert was unimpressed. Therefore, same. Nice. (laughs) Yes. If you listened to last week's episode about Juno, then you already know what was going on in 2007, roughly when this came out. That is the year of the Vanessa Hudgens nude scandal, Britney Spears shaving her head, Jamie Lynn Spears getting pregnant and Zoe 101 ending, um, Justin Timberlake and Cameron Diaz broke up. Yeah, that that's the, the general. Oh, Lindsay Lohan, all yeah. that. Yeah, and we were saying that it's the the maybe the most hellish tabloid moment because the internet and social media was starting to become problematic and the tabloids were still problematic, so it was just like doubly hairy to be a woman in the media at the time. So that was 2007, but things we remember from childhood slash associations with this movie. Audrey, would you like to go first? I know we saw it in theaters as a family. 
And yes. that there are very, 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 very few movies that the four of us have seen in a theater at once. <laughs> like, yes. do you remember when we saw Bombshell? Yeah, that was so <laughs> random. <laughs> that was Bombshell so was bad. Um, it was bad. But yeah, but I, I almost have like a snapshot memory of it. Like, I, I remember mm. it very clearly, and I was having a grand time, I think. Yeah. And, oh, and what I also remember about this movie, or what reminds me of this movie, is that you and I sang it in that one <laughs> choir group. <laughs> yeah, that was so good. That, that situation was, it was like, okay, you know how, like, every, well, at least in our school, and I think this is kind of true across the board, like, the spring concert, you get to do, like, fun yeah. music. And there was, like, a girls ensemble group that would meet after school <laughs> and, like, Basically, like, if you could sing at all, you could be in this group. Yeah. And Audrey and I decided to join the group <laughs> just for the last concert of the year. And we, like, learned the entire show and choreography, like, I think, like, the week before yeah. the performance. <laughs> and it was kind of because, like, we were never in show choir together. So we wanted to, like, do a performance together. Yeah. Because, like, why not? And again, like, I was super into princessy things. So... We were like, let's just do this. So we did it. I know there are pictures of that that exist. So there are. They're like blurry. Yeah. It's like it's like digital camera blurry pictures yeah. of us doing it. I bet we could dig that up. Yeah, I know. I am pretty sure I could. Yeah. I put all of my photo library on my external drive in 2018. I haven't been able to open it since then. So I have a lot of shit That's away for me there. Someday. I know. Um, okay, this movie for me. So I saw it in 2007, loved it, I'm sure. I remember seeing it with my family that, like, that we saw it. But this movie had, like, a weird renaissance in my life in, like, 2010, 2011. And this was kind of because I was, like, really into princesses as a little kid and then went through an emo phase and didn't really let go of it fully until, like, 10th grade or so. And then I had this whole renaissance of, like, just being super into princess stuff again. Like, I would, like, wear, like... You know, like at Claire's, there's like the fake flowers on the clips. Like I would wear like flowers in my hair like all the time. And I didn't have like good hair. I had like a Haley Williams like shag, like grown out shag. But like, you know, like you get a haircut like Haley Williams and you're like, I'm going to look like Haley Williams. But then you just look like yourself, but with a fucking bad haircut. <laughs> like that was me. So... I would wear, like, dressy dresses all the time. Like, kind of like what I'm wearing. Like, less sparkly, obviously. But, like, I had a princess lunchbox that I carried until, like, 11th grade. And the weirdest part of the whole thing, though, was the reason why this movie in particular came back was because I'm not going to name the person, obviously. But there, I had very few straight male friends in high school. But there was one who was, like... He, like, somehow had co-opted the identities of, like, Chris Pine and James Marston and was like, I'm, like, that person. Like, I'm, like, him. And so he would always, like, quote lines from this movie and, like, in, like invoke me to, like, do the Giselle parts. So, like, I did. What? And it was, like, really weird. It was, like, this weird, like, half-joking, like, hetero-fantasy thing. Like, I don't even know how to what explain it. What do you it. even and mean then, by this? 
Like, how do I explain it? Like, what social situation would you be in? I mean, we were theater kids, so, like, cringe could happen at any moment. Like, at a rehearsal, like, in the hallway. But the worst thing that happened was... It was weird. It was weird. There's worse things that happened, but I shouldn't say them because I'm not trying to (laughs) be super messy two episodes in a row. Let it be known, there's weird emerging adolescence associations with this movie in my life. Yeah, that's the end of my spiel. So, anyway, interestingly, this movie is not available on Disney+. Plus, So, you have to kind of hunt it down. Are you sure about that? Yes, I am sure. Okay. I looked it up. It's not there, and I Googled it, and no one knows why it's not there. I cannot comprehend why it's not there. But we rented it on YouTube, right? Yeah. You can rent it in any of the places. Yeah. But if you're looking for a streaming option, good luck, sis. (laughs) Okay. So I know I've already given away a lot of my opinions, but I am honestly begging you to go watch this movie because... It is really entertaining regardless, and I have a lot to say, and I'm excited to share it with you. So please go enjoy and meet us back here momentarily. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we are back with much to say regarding 2007's Enchanted. So we like to start with good things on Sleepover Cinema. Audrey, what did you have written under good? Uh, First, I would like to address, yes, I changed my hair and my earrings. In case you think you're going crazy, you're not. (laughs) I did. Um, That's for the video viewers. Okay. That's for the people watching at home. So... What do I appreciate? Obviously, the Julie Andrews voiceover. It brings me right. It brings you right to the place you need to be mentally. Like it's like it's like a cheat code. Like that's not even fair. Yes. Yes. Um, cartoon James Marsden also fits in the category. <laughs> it's not just real life, but also cartoon. It's transferable to any state of existence. Yeah. Yeah. Um. um Can I just interject for one second and Mm -hmm. say I also wrote that the opening was amazing. And I also wrote James Marston, LOL, as a thing. And we can't forget that the harmonies in True Love's Kiss went incredibly hard. Yeah. I kind of forget them, but... It's like, the best part is when... It's the James Marston part. He's like, since we first knew 
love or something. Yeah. In, in out of context, that sounds like absolute shit, but in <laughs> context, it's good. Go back and listen to it and you'll know what I'm saying. Anyway, please proceed. Anyway, the perhaps pinnacle most annoying I can appreciate it but it's also very annoying in what you were talking about with like all the references the Jody Benson bitch I wrote that down cameo <laughs> like it's both it's somehow great and annoying um yes but Jody Benson if you don't know was the voice of the Little Mermaid um of the the voice of Ariel in the Little Mermaid and um they stick her in this movie as the like receptionist type person in Patrick Dempsey's law office and they've got the aquarium over there and also the fact that like Giselle has red hair it's kind of also like another reference in a way Uh, Um, yeah but yeah they just and they've got um a whole new not a whole new world. That's allowed. It's a part of. They've got part, of your, part of your world playing in the office as well, like as like diegetic music, ambient <laughs> and, music. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot. It is a lot. I liked that they actually were in Katz's Delicatessen. <laughs> I thought that was cute. Yes. yes. Um, which is the restaurant that the prince goes to at one point when the the like rat thing what is it a chipmunk yeah chipmunk. <laughs> when the chipmunk is trying to tell him what's going on which first of all the chipmunk does everywhere the chipmunk goes but it's yeah. the first time yeah yeah well, i don't like i get that they needed to have the sidekick animal and stuff but like okay i also have to interject it's and for just the say kids. really fast Okay, this is what I was going to say. Everyone's going to come for us because we're shitting on this movie it's so hard. It's for the kids. It's for kids. We are not doing a good faith interpretation. We are just being grumpy because that's what we do. And you'll have to just cope. I'm yeah. sorry. We're feeling especially sensitive after being massively attacked on TikTok in the past 24 hours. <laughs> like, I, I just... I post, like, usually three TikToks that have to do with the episode. So, like, I'll do, like, a section from the episode. Like, I can talk to you guys about this because you understand who we are and what we do. But you throw this on TikTok and you will get, if if it just so happens to be picked up on the through the algorithm and snowball, it's like you could say anything. You could say absolutely anything. And then like 24 hours later, once it's like snowballed, you've got people fighting in the comments about like politics. <laughs> yeah. Audrey posted a video of us being like, you can see the body doubles in The Parent Trap. There was no opinion. It was just a fact. I mean, I said just- I said it was bad. I think I said it was bad. I mean, but like, I'm not, I'm not, seriously attacking the quality of the film everyone was like you guys are too much this is so fine they're like like, yeah they're like you two clearly have too much time on your hands like you two blah blah blah. i'm like you're the one commenting on my video not the other way around right it's also like okay you're commenting on the video aka you're giving us what we want you can't jokes on you you came to our yard okay you're you're on our front porch so like it or go (laughs) get out yeah sorry oh man (laughs) 
You know what? So many people have found us through TikTok, though. So if you're one of those people, thank God you're not a weirdo and welcome. It's just like, can we not just have a little fun discourse for just for fun? Like, literally, it's not that serious. Okay. Yeah. Do you have anything else under good? Yeah. The curtain dresses. The dresses that she makes out of curtains are so nice and beautiful. I just think they did a really, really good job making those dresses. Like, I I just love them. There's also, I'm sure you thought of this, but there's a strong Sound of Music reference there. Yeah, there is. And there's also a Sound of Music reference in... um, that's how you know with that shot over the hill and she mm-hmm. runs up and then she spins yeah. around. I'm like, this isn't even Disney. Why are you referencing this? But I guess Julie Andrews is in it. So like. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah. This movie relies so heavily on its Easter eggs and oh, references. Okay. You know, okay. the, why was I writing all this stuff and appreciate when I didn't even appreciate it? The the <laughs> aggressive use of ever, ever after. <laughs> I wrote that down too. I was like, like, oh, not the original song by Carrie Underwood. I was like, like oh. why, why are they using the entire song? <laughs> and they even got her to write in references to the music in Enchanted into the song. Yeah. Which like, I guess that's like good for a soundtrack, right? Yeah. Like at least it's cohesive. But that was notable to me. Can I start saying some things yeah. for my list? Okay. So my good things, you mentioned all of them, except... I had to say that that's what you know, unfortunately, is extremely catchy. That's how you and know. And also, that's what I said. He said, that's what I know. <laughs> that's what I know. Um, okay, that's what you know. That's how you know. Yeah. That's how you know. Um, is really good. And I wrote down that IRL Susan Sarandon is extremely beautiful. Yes, she is. But is now a good time to circle back to is the music good? Yeah. I have an opening statement. Okay. <laughs> which is, I feel like the music is really good, especially I think True Love's Kiss is cool because it's like intentionally spo- like written in a way that's supposed to be like old timey. Um, but I think that the music can only get so good because it is in like a headlock of irony. Yeah. And musicals, Disney they don't- musicals and irony don't really mix. Yeah. They don't, and you and know. it's the problem they keep ramming themselves into over and over and over and over again with, like, um, like there's that scene in, like, Wreck-It Rolf or whatever where they've got the Wreck animated. <laughs> yeah. Wreck-It Ralph? Ralph. How do you say it? Ralph? You said it, and it sounded like it was Wreck-It Rolf, like, <laughs> of the sound of music. <laughs> That's a <laughs> Rick and Ralph. Oh my god, I should edit like a cover. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that needs to happen. The sound of music is just way too much on the brain. Like it is. <laughs> uh, so though, like I don't say it any other way. It's only Ralph to me. <laughs> it's not <laughs> Ralph. <laughs> That's also the perfect example of you pronouncing things slightly <laughs> off and then me giving you shit about it. Wreck it roll. It's like it's like, it's like skull and skull. Wait. Again. Oh, cause isn't it, it spelled differently for the sound of music? Is it R O L F? 
or something. It's R-O-L-P-H, I think. Yeah, it's like a different spelling. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Look for a Wreck-It Rolf meme coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, yeah, anyway. but yeah, there's. they just keep... They keep you. You can't have both. Like you can't have both. You can't. You know, it makes fun of and doubles down on all the princess story tropes. It's like you can't have it both yes. ways. As a corporation, Disney had to make a decision, and they refused to make. They refused to make the decision. I think nowadays it is getting better because they're you're not seeing like all the princesses together in any way. I mean, maybe you do. I didn't see the latest. No, princess merchandise still is like a thing. Yeah, not the merchandise, yeah, it's totally a thing, but as far as the movies go, it's like you've got your Frozen, you've got your um just like straight up princess musical movies, but they also have all this other stuff going on. Like I don't know. I I think it was very much a phase that they had to get through. Yeah. I kind of feel like it's really interesting because, so actually I had an example written down of like a really good moment where the Disney refusal to actually fully make fun of itself comes into play, which first of all, they shouldn't have to make fun of themselves. It's their thing no. to do what they do. Like, it's do like, what you do. It's very reactionary. Like, it's like they, it's, they, they like, couldn't yeah. handle, like, the way that I can't handle being attacked about the parent trap TikTok. They <laughs> yeah. can't handle being attacked about feminism and girl yes. boss, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so... An example I had that was, like, a really good illustration of why it's so weird is the scene where they're in the Italian restaurant, and it's Giselle, and it's the guy, and he's like, you know, I'm raising my daughter to not believe in fairy tales because, you know, that's not how life is, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and Giselle's like, well, dreams can come true in this. And, like, the like the movie clearly wants you to be like, Giselle is right, dreams can come true, even though at the same time they're trying to be like, Dreams can't come true. Yeah. He's the smart one. Giselle is stupid. The whole movie is, like, making fun of Giselle, honestly. And In, until the end. Until, like, the last yeah. Until she, minutes. like, becomes normal. Yeah, which... Yeah. It's such a mess. Wait. It's such a mess. Wait. When the, the fact that the turning point for her character is what it is, like, she gets mad she gets angry okay or whatever and she's never felt yes. anger like this or something but i'm like disney prince i mean i guess they don't really get angry they get they sad get like, but yeah which me i <laughs> know <laughs> <No>, same <laughs> but um she gets mad and then he's like what's going on and then she like is suddenly turned like turned on by him She's like, oh, oh, that whole the, scene the is chest so bananas. Hair thing. I totally agree. She's like, it's so out of nowhere. She's like, oh my god, I felt a feeling, and then it's like really sexy for like three seconds. I was like, like, whoa. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> back up, back up. What's going on? Yeah. She like touches yeah. his chest, and then they almost kiss, and then he, and then he's like, good night, gotta go. <laughs> It makes no and sense. And now, no sense. from that point on, Giselle's no longer the butt of the joke because she, like, 
I, I, I don't yeah. get it. This movie, okay, we are like quickly sliding into the bad things. Yeah. And I do want to go back to I some had of the to. other things I had written down, but I just have to say that this movie reminds me of Life Size. Life Size yeah. in a lot of ways. But the main reason why it reminds me of Life Size is because it is a movie that is marketed to be about Giselle and a, and four children and like about kids sort mm-hmm. of but like she's not actually she's the main character but nothing actually hinges upon anything she does yeah. it's ac- the main character is actually the dad yeah the dad and the whole time they treat her like a total idiot and then once he decides that she's like hot I, then it's like okay yeah. like, I'm like what is going on <laughs> and the the whole thing it's like they only ever even let her in or let her stay because she was pretty, which is a reference to Snow White, essentially. Mm-hmm. But like it was it wrong just then and it's wrong. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, if that was not like a skinny, beautiful white girl, would this would you, not happen. <laughs> this wouldn't happen. And that that's also a thing I said that will piss people off. They'll be like, yeah, everyone makes it about. Like, it's, like, about race. Like, it's so much deeper. It's, like, okay, fuck you. Because <laughs> guess what? I have... Guess what? This wasn't made by some indie filmmaker with a dream, okay? It was made by <laughs> no, a corporation that, whether they want to or not, whether they try to or not, they are feeding and programming young minds, okay? Yes. And speaking of that, and now I'm veering into the problematic things for a second, there are three black characters that speak the entire time, and it's the angry bus driver, and then it's the angry the couple. couple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, hello? Oh, and let's not even forget that Giselle immediately walks up to the black woman and touches her hair. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I was like, this is like so offensive I was like is this real like how is this real like I know that it's supposed to be just like her having no sense of like social propriety but it's like okay but clearly Disney knew what they were doing when they chose for that role to be played by a black woman like and had that role been played by a white woman she wouldn't have done that right like, she wouldn't have gone up to her and been like, your hair or whatever. Like, I just don't. It was so weird. That it was, was so weird. Not good. Oh, gosh. And I think also, so sort of going back to what we were saying about, like, Disney not being able to handle, like, criticism from a feminist perspective. Like, 2007 was a little bit early for, like, the anti-princess feminism thing. But, like, I know that when I was in high school during my princess phase— part two, (laughs) I read this book called Cinderella Ate My Daughter and I wrote this whole paper about like the influence of Disney princess culture on kids and like on culture at large. And um, it was like really a thing for a minute where everyone was like Disney princesses are poisoning the minds of children, but it's sort of like a reach. But Disney like didn't even care that it was a reach. I think if anything, it's like, okay, they're all white except for a few exceptions and that's like a whole other conversation. And they're like extremely. I, I was thinking of Pocahontas. It's like so whitewashed. It's not even like. Yeah, it's like not even real. A thing. Yeah. I have a statement. <laughs> okay. So Giselle makes a joke. Once she comes out of the sewer thing, there is a little person that gets caught <laughs> under her skirt or whatever, yes. which also bad, not good. 
But she says, Grumpy, is that you? So <laughs> let me get this straight. Disney exists in the enchanted universe. <laughs> Good point. How does that make sense? Grumpy, yeah, it's not like she didn't say, she didn't reference some really old folk tale, you know, like where it's like hearkening pre-Disney. No, she said grumpy. That is Disney's Snow White. Yes. So that's really well, mind-boggling. I guess they're trying to imply that, that she, knows, she him. knows all of the Disney pr- people. Yes. But then why doesn't she mention it more? Yeah, like, I mean, that is what they're saying is that she, like, knows them. But then whenever she references, like, the fairy tale characters she knows, she never says them by name like that. Like, right. she says, like, the evil blank or like this type of this archetype this like fairy tale yeah. type but she says yeah. grumpy <laughs> like that's really funny that's a really good point yeah it was really okay this is really jumping all over the place but okay i have so much can we just talk about the ballroom thing the the ball scene yeah. in general okay so first of all how do they find out about this thing? I know they how never they never mention. No, they no they the way they shoehorned it in was really lazy. They are okay, what it was is it? during uh it's during that's how you know. Mm-hmm. They're singing blah 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 um and then it's so in passing. It's like maybe 2 seconds. They basically walk past a table that has a, two guys selling tickets for it. <laughs> and there's a, you see the sign and they leave it up just long enough for you to like mentally take note of it. Yeah. But yeah, you yeah. don't even see them buy the tickets. And then he, um, <laughs> not that I need to see that. You got to see the receipts. But like persons. he, uh, they run right past it. Like, I don't know. She yeah. She's like, ooh, a ball or whatever. And then they like walk away. But then he, like, buys tickets and sends them via Pigeon to Nancy. And um, do you not remember that? (laughs) No, I remember. I remember that. But I missed, I didn't, I missed the table. I was probably writing something down at that point. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, when did he purchase these? When did they decide they were going to go? Like, I I guess it's just her, it's just Giselle being like, do something whimsical. Yeah, you know, and that kind of brings it back to the ball thing. I hate how much Nancy is antagonized for wanting anything fun, anything romantic, anything unironic. It's so sad. How is she antagonized for literally being like a fun-loving, nice person? I don't know, but they do. They They do it, though. They They do it. And Adina Menzel kind of has that quality on screen. Like, I don't even know that it's really written like if it wasn't her if it was a different actress I don't know that she would be so antagonized but like there's just something about her on screen (laughs) and this carries over to every movie she's in like in Rent and in um like Uncut Gems or whatever like she just has that quality and in Glee of like be a little scared. <laughs> like, be a little scared yeah. of her. Yeah, it's. I think it's because her face is so angular. Yeah. 
But like, and she just kind of plays it that way. Like that, it's just the quality that she brings. I like it though. I think it's different. Yeah. Like, but it's very specific. Um, I will say that. Yeah. But yeah, she, because of that, she is antagonized. It's like, oh, you're a bad, you're a bad person because you want to like have fun and like feel loved or whatever. <laughs> Literally, she's like, what if you don't cheat on me and take me places sometimes? Yeah, and he's like, oh, I hate it. <laughs> He's like, oh, God, what a bitch. <laughs> She's <Like>. awful. <laughs> I love that. Like, he does not. I love that James and Adina end up together. Like, it's like perfect. It's cute. I know. It's so good. Wait, okay, but we're skipping over a few things that I need to talk about, which is I, okay, we, I, we don't even really need to unpack this, but it's just all too convenient that like the most romantic waltz is the one where they're like, all right, people, now you got to dance with someone who you didn't bring as your date. Like, yeah. that, I was just like, okay, sure. So that was annoying. But the main thing that I found super annoying was like, I feel like when they were writing this script, they were like, okay, the queen's got to show up and turn into a dragon and it's got to be a whole thing. But like the reasoning behind why she does it makes absolutely no, no sense. sense. Because her, her motivations. If the, yeah. If the point in the beginning was we have to get rid of Giselle because she's going to marry Edward and take over the throne. It's like, okay, but you just saw her be in love with a guy who doesn't live in Andalasia. So why wouldn't you just encourage her <laughs> yeah. to go steal that man and be with him and then not come back? And it's like, okay, is it just because she's evil and like wants to kill people? Like, <laughs> I guess so. You didn't even but have like, to show up and turn into a dragon, but you did. No. You could have. <laughs> well, what, what should she have happened? She stayed at home. Nancy. She could have stayed at home. She could have done all of this conniving from her own, the comfort of her own room. And she decided. Well, she tried. She tried. And then she couldn't because yeah. her incel was angry. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Pettigrew is an incel in this movie. Yeah. Upsetting, I don't even, I don't true. even want to get into the whole thing of him having no. a crush. I, it's stupid. It's just stupid. No, we don't need to do it. We don't need to do it. But I will say that I hated at the end when they were all for some reason they had to have a golden bow for every single character including the fucking animated chipmunk having a book deal <laughs> yeah I was, like, I was like wait we have not one hit book but two hit books <laughs> in two different dimensions why do we need that like we don't need that and it was called like silence is not golden or something because like he couldn't yeah. talk in the real world I'm like wait but you're your, your cartoon character friends wouldn't even get that. They haven't been it's there. It's just like so annoying. It's so annoying. Oh gosh. Okay. So I'm seeing if there's anything else here that I absolutely must talk about. Okay. I have these last these last things written under bad. Dropping the one shoe and grabbing the sword, dot, 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 why? That's also a really good example of Disney being like, look, it's a classic fairy tale, but also she's a girl boss at the same time. Yeah. I'm like... Oh, God, like, I'm tired. And then also, I wrote, bro, she didn't even kill anyone or even get close, which is the dragon. Yeah. And also, why did she burst into flames when she <laughs> fell off the building? It's something that would happen. It's like a reference. It's just yeah. a reference. Just like, oh, my gosh. This, okay, is, so. this movie is literally, like, if you showed an alien this movie, 
<laughs> it would be the most confusing thing ever. It's operating it be... it's operating on so many pre-existing systems and references and like on, and even like not even an alien but like imagine showing somebody who lives in like a really remote place or in another country like yeah. It would be like what is going on? You'd be like I don't understand like why this guy is such an asshole to her like yeah. what like what's happening. Yeah. I totally agree. Oh, and then I had one more thing about that scene, which was Giselle choosing to take a bite out of the apple after the queen's like, you could delete all your memories of this and it could be gone forever. And her choosing to do it was like really dark. That's I was like, dark. damn, okay. Like that's dark. <laughs> yeah. And then you get over it like so fast. Yeah, you do like, get over it so fast because they don't give you even, like, a second to the, process it. The last, like, 30 minutes of the movie are such a blur, and they're not, they're, like, they're going at lightning yes. speed. Like, <laughs> it's just a lot going on. Yes. Totally. The, the, this is so random, but the daughter's voice is really cute. I agree. And speaking of the daughter, um, I texted Audrey about this when I was watching, but... How comfortable the dad is manhandling the shit out of her <laughs> and also out of Giselle is, yeah. like, really off-putting. Like, there's multiple scenes where uh, Robert is, like, is, like, fucking, like, clutching Giselle's wrist and, like, dr like, like dragging her places. Yeah. Phantom of the Opera style, if you will, <laughs> multiple times. And I was just like, this guy sucks. Yeah, like, we're supposed to look at him and be like... What a good person that he literally is willing to like be a father. Like that's it. Like yeah. you're you were supposed yeah. to like romanticize him because he's a single dad. It doesn't work. I don't care. It doesn't work. And when they get together, <laughs> Bitch, in the I'll end, kill I'm like, you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when they get together in the end, I'm like, this is the least satisfying like romantic conclusion in cinematic history. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me actually not to bring up the sound of music again, but <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like if the captain and Julie Andrews got together without him having a change of heart and becoming yeah. not grumpy. <laughs> it reminded me of that. I was like, wait, so the fact that he like kind of wins, mm -hmm. like his philosophy he kind wins. of wins is like I mean, in, in theory, they meet halfway, but like... But they don't. They don't really. I mean, she's living in his world. She's going to live with him. She's going to, like, be a... Mo I don't know. Like, she's just going to end up being a wife and a mother. <laughs> just saying. Like, which, again, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what Giselle wants to do. But yeah. We don't know this what Giselle so wants to do. This we don't so know what messy. Giselle wants to do. No, we don't know what she wants. We don't know what she actually cares about. She's basically... She's a puppy like dog. Watching, it's like watching Elf. It's yeah. like the same shit yeah, as yeah, Elf. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, it's not about what the character actually wants. I mean, Elf is... I mean, Elf slaps, though. Elf, elf is slaps. a different class. Like, <laughs> yeah. Elf is amazing. Um, this is different, but it's actually, like, the same story as Elf, mm -hmm. pretty much. God, and Zoe Deschanel. Oh my the gosh. Connections, they run deep. I should make a letterbox list that is life size, enchanted, and elf, and be like, yes. Movies where, I don't also know. Also, Aquamarine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's kind of a lot of them. There is. I mean, it's literally like the fish out of water plot yeah. line. Yeah. But it's fun. Like, it's, I never thought of them together, like those four. Yeah. It struck me. And it's also kind of big. 
sort of. Yeah, kind of. A little bit. I think if you added the qualifier of set in New York City, then yeah. you would kick out Aquamarine and put in big. Yeah. But anyway, and then the very, very, very last thing I have to say, which is very specific, is when Giselle goes, when she's talking about a place to stay, and she goes, maybe a hollow tree. You wouldn't put emphasis on hollow. You would put it on tree. Maybe. Why does she say it like that? A hollow tree. <laughs> That's how you say it. I don't know. It was a choice, but I, she can kind of say yeah. it anyway, anyway, because she's All whimsical. S- so also <laughs> the song that they dance to at the ball gives me such deep 2007 like Jason Mraz-esque yeah. ballad vibes like Michael Buble I'm like take me back to Marshall's not Marshall's like like a department Ruby store Tuesday. like JC Penny <laughs> yeah, Ruby Tuesday like it just Coles. had such a specific vibe Coles take me back to the Abbey Dawn section of Coles yeah ASAP. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, okay, so we shat on this movie really hard, but at the end of the day, for me, I still find it to be extremely spectacular in a lot yeah. of ways. Like, the fact that it's all in New York, the fact that the cast is so good, the story makes no sense, and, like, <laughs> it's it's peak Disney caving in on itself, but at the same time, for some reason, critics loved it, for some reason, audiences love it, maybe I'm just a hater, but I do find this movie enjoyable. You know what? It's straight vibes. It's like, turn your brain off. Yeah. Straight vibes. Literally, like, mainline it. Mainline it into <laughs> my veins. I will yes. take it. I will eat it up. Um, but if you ask me to think about it a little bit more, I'm going to see. I'm going to see the issues. Yes. Yes, so, and I think this is the perfect example of it, too. It's like we force ourselves to think about the movies when we watch them. Yeah. And if you think about Enchanted, it takes, like, two seconds for it to fully unravel. Yeah, like, I and I just, I think um, somebody had to do it. Somebody had to think about it for th- three more seconds, and now we've done it, and... And now we probably... I'm still going to enjoy the movie, like... Yeah. Nothing we say. We're too defensive right now. I'm sensitive. (laughs) I know. We are defensive right now. I just know that people are going to get mad. But you know what? Maybe not. I don't know. We've we've said some out-of-pocket shit on the show before and never really had to face the music. We don't hear that much back, all in all. So The most I've ever heard back about was when I said Brandy was a bad singer in Cinderella. That's one I will never live down. Yeah. Which, let me clarify. One more time. I think she's a good singer. She's an icon. Stylistically, it was a weird pairing with everyone else, and that is it. Still a great casting choice, though. That's it. Yes. That's it. Please, please exonerate me. Um, Okay. (laughs) Well, I think I got it all out of my system. I guess the deeper takeaway is the Disney commentary on itself is not interesting and continues to be a thing as Disney keeps buying out like every media venture that there is. It's becoming kind of even worse. Yeah. And we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. Stay tuned. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and also we should remind you, have you signed up for trivia yet? No. Think about it. <laughs> have you thought? Have you signed up? No. Okay. Well, now is your invitation. Once again, On Friday, August 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will be hosting a virtual trivia evening. It's going to be us and Darren Christie of Under the Tree with DXC, our baby angel 
podcaster friend, and he's very good at writing trivia. Um, we did a trivia like round on his podcast a few months ago, and it was really, really fun and very hard. Audrey yeah. and I played against each it other. So please sign up. You can find that link um, in all of our social media bios. Yes. And the winner gets a sleepover cinema goodie bag of which the contents are still yet to be determined. <laughs> Unknown. But you know that it's going to be good. Yeah. Unknown goodies. Um, you can play as a team. You can play as an individual. Uh, and you can talk to us directly, which would be very cool. So with that being said, I still love a sparkly dress. The costumes in Enchanted are amazing. I didn't even say they're yeah. so good. And you know what this is? that you still... Everybody involved with this movie is is at the top of their game. They should be yes. at the very top of their game. So, of course, like, we don't need to say all the million good things about it. Like, there's just so yes. many good things about it. Okay. Anyway. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm literally apologizing so much. Okay. All that being said, we hope you have a great week, and we will be back next Thursday with another episode. Indeed we will. Goodbye. Yes. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingpictures.com. If you want to watch our show as well as listen, we're on YouTube too. Search sleepover cinema or go to the link tree in our Instagram bio. We're on Instagram and Twitter at tupingpictures and would love to hear from you there. We're also on TikTok at sleepover cinema and that's really where the party is at. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share the episode with a few friends. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next and leave us a review if you like the show. And if you don't, don't. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah, and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Special thanks to executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. We'll chat again soon. Bye. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things, from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do so you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.